Welcome back to BH Podcast. Today I am joined by ultramarathon runner Rhys Jenkins to talk about life's journey and all things running. Rhys is a Panath guy who has completed some crazy running events. Most recently, Wales Coastal Path Run, which we will be talking about more later in the podcast. Uh, myself, personally, have only been following Rhys on Instagram over the last couple of months after finding out about Reese from a, a close friend of mine. Uh, so although we'll talk all things running, I'm hoping to get to know Reese a little more myself today. Looking at his background and how running began, uh, for him finding out more about his training. Uh, challenges and events will be included as well. And my mate Blaine Williams has been lucky enough to attend one of Reese's speaking nights and mentioned something about Burger Boy. Um, I have no idea what this is yet, uh, so I'm hoping to find out what all that's about as well. Now, if anyone knows me, you know I like burgers as well, so I'm hoping it's something to do with them. Uh, today, we will be finding out about growing up for Reese. Uh, what was life like? I always like to ask the question about school as well and how we got into running. Uh, when it turned serious, running challenges, and we'll be looking at Death Valley Run. Uh, Wales Court, Still Path and any other challenges Reese would like to have a little chat about. So um, any more challenges Reese that you know today they would like to talk about, uh, that's fine as well. And we're going to be looking at Reese's training plan through the week, if he's hit any brick walls along the way, uh, how running helps and trying to advertise running a little more because during lockdown um, I've seen lots of people I've taken it up for mental health reasons as well, which I think is really, really good. And what's going on for Reese now, his plans and his future. So it's another podcast that involves an interesting topic and person. Uh, before starting the podcast, I'd like to thank Reese today uh, for rescheduling with me because um, one of my close mates, Adam Arkham, over the last couple of weeks has been going through a tough time after being attacked by uh, people I wouldn't really want to talk about now. But um, yeah, so thanks Reese for rescheduling. And this podcast is going to be dedicated to Adam uh, for all our listeners listening out there. So without further ado, I'm going to stop talking now and welcome Reese. How are you feeling today, Reese? <laughs> Not too bad, mate. Thank you for having me on the show. No, that's fine, mate. Thank you for coming on once again. And obviously, we had to reschedule. Thank you for that. Um, no problem. Uh, now we're, well, now we've rescheduled, Reese, and we're back in uh, local lockdowns. Uh, how's lockdown been for you? This is a question I've started most of my podcasts with. Um, it's been okay, to be honest, mate. I think a lot of other people have been worse off than what we've been, me and my wife have been through through lockdown. I think we've had it quite easy, to be honest. Um, it's obviously affected some of the events we put on because we organise uh, running events which means, sadly, we've had to cancel them for 2020. But, uh, um, no, it's, I think lockdown's allowed me to focus more on my training, um, to be a better person when it comes to sort of getting out there and amongst it with the miles and sort of focusing on, yes, the running side of things, but also flexibility, gym work, and sort of, yeah, lockdown's been, it's been okay. Yeah, I can't complain, to be honest with you, Brad. No, and this um the Wales Coastal Path Challenge as well that was included was that that was obviously during lockdown, wasn't it? Uh no, no. It oh, wasn't right. during lockdown. No, no, no. So um we had national lockdown, didn't we? And yeah. then that got lifted 
and we uh, decided to take, well, we had a window of opportunity to get out on the Wales Coastal Path. I think me and my wife had about 22 days where we didn't have any commitments, and uh, we just took the opportunity to go when, um, as soon as the sort of the rules and restrictions were lifted, and I, I think it was quite timely, really, because a month after finishing, <laughs> we have, um, you know, we've gone back into local lockdown. So in, I, I guess it's worked out for the best, really. Awesome. And, oh, sorry, mate, I thought it was uh, during lockdown, but um, no, awesome challenge. How are you feeling now after it? We'll talk a little bit more about it later, but how are you feeling now all refreshed? It's been quite a long time now, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's a weird one, mate. It's taken a while for my body to come back to sort of some sort of normality. So when I started running um, shortly after finishing the challenge, it was weird. It was almost like my feet weren't attached to my legs and my legs weren't attached to my hips. It was like <laughs> I was a bit of a... It was almost like I was drunk while I was running. It was a really weird sensation. Yeah. I've never had it before. But it was like when you're really unbalanced and you sort of... You, you feel like you're going to fall over every step. Uh, but after two or three runs, I think, uh, the body went back to sort of, you know, muscle memory. It realised, oh, okay, we're used to this, and then it's like, okay, what's the next challenge? <laughs> back to normal, awesome. Um, so I'd like to begin now. as a little bit of an introduction, Aries, but um, mo- the question I ask most of the people that come on, what was life growing up like for you? Um, during this part, we can talk about uh, school or whatever. Just growing up and your background, sort of thing. Yeah, no problem at all. So uh, I grew up in Penarfon from Penarfon originally. I now live in Cardiff. Um, I never really travelled too far away from my hometown. And growing up, I was more of a, a team sports uh, sort of um, guy, I guess you'd call it. I play a lot of rugby, football, and never really looked at running as a, as a sport for me. Um, and then in 2006, I met my best friend, uh, Rusty Tolliver, who uh, introduced me to sort of running. Um, but we were running in like uh, beautiful places, so like Pennsylvania and over in the USA, like up in the mountains and the forest and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of wildlife. And then I realised from doing the running, I'd actually become fitter at uh, football, uh, rugby, as being able to last a lot longer, longer and work a lot harder. So I saw that direct impact from running, and then it just sort of it escalated from there. I ran a couple of half marathons. Uh, I did one organized marathon which is Las Vegas marathon and then a year later I just bit the bullet and uh, ran across America I know it sounds quite blase but I guess how can you really prepare for that sort of challenge anyhow we just went into it thinking all right we're either sink or we swim and lucky for me I managed to swim (laughs) (laughs) awesome so the the next um question on my list uh Reese was what where has running always been a part of your life? Obviously, you said you played football, um, and then sort of your friend introduced you to running. Yeah, so yeah, growing up, I was quite a, a chubby child. I was uh, I was a prop forward in rugby, so I had that sort of bulk around me, should we say? And I hated running growing up. Really didn't like it. But after sort of, um, I worked at a summer camp over in the USA, and that's where I met Rusty, my best friend too. And it was just one of those things over like the course of eight weeks, you just sort of built it into your, your lifestyle and you realise actually it's just, all right, it's running, but it's also a bit of an adventure. And then I think the adventure side sort of took over me in a way. And yeah, 2010, we, uh, well, myself, Rusty, my brother, and two other friends, John and Adam, uh, ran across America. <laughs> awesome. What, was that like, um, 
self-funded and Reese, is how we started out or was there like sponsorships involved with that no so um just to clarify so no um it's always self-funded anything i do is always self-funded um my flights my accommodation and my travel if i can get like kit so like shoes or uh shorts or you know that sort of basics you need in running then yes i'd love to get that and sometimes like, i've been lucky i've been sponsored by puma and that's fantastic generosity but no when it comes to funding these trips it always comes out of my pocket it's um i have some people sometimes fund it from the money they raise for charity which i just don't agree with so yeah. any money raised for charity goes 100 percent into the charity and then i just pay for myself to get there to do it because in a way yes i'm doing this a crazy run but i'm also having a bit of a holiday and adventure you know it's something which it's just yeah i feel like i should be paying for that for that privilege yeah and if you don't mind me asking reese is it like have you got a full-time job or no so yeah so two years ago i bit the bullet again and went self-employed so i have a running events company so we put on ultra marathons in and around Wales. Uh, we organise races from anything from 30 miles up to 50 miles. And it's something where we don't have cut-off times. Uh, we're out on the trail. You're in the middle of the mountains, down a valley, on the coastal path, you know, all these beautiful parts of the world. And we just think, we'll solve the cut-off times. We'll just wait for you. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Think, uh, part of ultra running is um, sometimes you get distracted and pressurised by the cut-off times. And if by eliminating that, we can get more people into the sport and they can actually enjoy more and sort of look at the views. Uh, that's our philosophy on running, really. Yeah, the ultra running sounds um, really interesting. <laughs> and I think me and Blaine, I, I think uh, we'll have a look at some events we could book. That'll be uh, good for us, Ben. Obviously, we like running. That Pembrokeshire run you did, uh, that shot from behind you with all the cliffs and things, that was really nice as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, beautiful. That's the only way I can describe it. The Wales Coastal Path is just stunning. Awesome. Um, do you, with with a full-time job as well and, and being self-employed, do you, do you find it hard to fit in training around or, you know, being self-employed, is it easier for you? Um, self-employed is, uh, yeah, you can build it into your lifestyle a lot easier. When I was full-time employed working with somebody else, it was difficult, but I'd always make it work. And um, I think... That came to a point when I actually had, I did a challenge, a personal challenge. It was 24 marathons in 24 days. And I did that while still upholding a full-time job for somebody else. So it was, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, I managed the master, I managed to master that for 24 days. And yes, I wasn't, I was, wasn't as alert as I should have been on my desk, but uh, no, <laughs> got it done, still managed to get paid and yeah, it was okay. Awesome. That sounds a grueling challenge as well. I can imagine waking up for work the next day after that. Oh, uh, it was, um, yeah, it was Groundhog Day. We did it around the same park in Cardiff, and the Cup Park was about five mile loop, so you had to do that five times a day. Oh, my goodness. Oh, fair play to you, mate. Um, I want to dive in now to, like, you, uh, fir- our first challenge to talk about, and that's the Death Valley Run. Um, yes. 270-mile run, California. Um after hearing about this event from friends and online, it just screams uh, mental to me and grueling with temperatures when I did a little bit of research of 54 degrees. Um, and the course just sounds mental in itself as well. Could you, could you, for our listeners, could you explain a little about this event? Yeah, so um, 
I've done it five times now. So I think the first time I did it was in 2014, 15, 16, 17, um, had a year off in 18, went back in 2019. So um, there's a famous race over in America called Badwater 135. Um, and that is through, through what's the best way to describe it? It is 135 miles through the hottest place on earth, up and down three mountain ranges. It is uh, relentless. It's, it's classed as a, it, people call it the toughest race in the world. And I truly believe that. But you, you mentioned about the temperatures being 54. It is um, that sort of temperature. I think the world record is 56. And it is just, um, it just frazzles your brain straight away. It, it, it's hard, difficult to breathe. Um, but after a few hours, your body does adapt to it. it it's a weird sensation. You, sort of, you just get used to your environment and you have your coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, so that route is called Badwater, Badwater 135. Then yeah. you have the race. Um, I've done the race officially once, which is the same route. It's just obviously it's officially recognised. And then the 270 is actually it's the 135 route, but then you turn around and you run back to where you started from. And that was uh, what just over 100 hours worth of running uh, with little, very little sleep, not any sleep, I don't think. If it was, it was just in the back of a van. Um, and it's 270, yeah, 270 miles, 100 hours. It was relentless, absolutely boiling. Um, at one point in the, oh, actually only 40 miles into the, the run, I actually passed out at the side of the road from the heat and I woke up thinking I was about to play football. And it's just you know, one of those point moments in your life where you wake up and you, I don't know, sometimes you think it's a Saturday and actually it's a Monday. Yeah. Well, I woke up thinking I was about to play football. And then obviously imagine the shock when I realise, oh, oh crap, I'm in <laughs> Death Valley. Oh, oh, oh crap, I'm only 40 miles into this 270 mile run. Oh crap, I've got a long, long way to go. It's one of those things where everything just gradually got worse and worse and worse. But, um, it was weird that that me knocking myself out. It was the weird the, the, the cramp set in in my ankles, and it shot at my calves, and it shot at the entire body. It was just like someone flipped the switch. I passed out like in the in the boot. My crew were lucky enough only next to me, so they just pulled me up out of it. Um, and I, from that point onwards, though, I didn't have any more cramp for the rest of the trip. Which is, it was almost like my body accepting the challenge right there and then. That's mad, and just you know, I I got a smile and a few laughs out of that. Then, but I I bet there was no room for laughing and things. It just sounds really mad. You know what? Uh, <laughs> it just back, it's like it makes you a tougher person. That yeah. sort of experience, and it could have gone one or two ways. But I think I did scare um, the support crew quite a lot from passing out, and there's something that I I don't want to experience again. <laughs> yeah, I know. What what made you want to do it, Reese? Um. I read about that race back in 2010, that route, uh, that personal challenge of doing the 135 miles. And ever since then, it was always on my bucket list of things to do. I purposely went over there what, four times to get used to the route because I wasn't too sure if I'd ever get into the race. And then in 2019, I actually became the first ever Welshman to not only get into the race, but to also complete it. It was a very special moment for me. Fantastic achievement. Just, it, it was, I, I, not without being too cheesy, it was like, uh, it was like my Olympics. It was my, my mountaintop. It was the one thing I really wanted to achieve in this world. Yeah, you, you touched upon it there, Reese. How do you sort of train for an event like that, like adapt into the heat? Was it just visits there or did you go anywhere else to, that, that's quite hot to adapt to it and like distance-wise? 
So I think the four times I went previously were to obviously run the route, get used to it, also do it for charity. Always, anything I do when it comes to running is always for charity. But when you're training for something like that, it's you just need to focus on three things at Badwater in particular, and that is obviously mileage, uh, the hills, so the elevation, etc. And then the heat. And you know what? Living in Wales, <laughs> you don't really get the heat, do you? No. So um, I was lucky enough to get a home sauna which is like an infrared heat box. It's like the size of a, uh, a telephone box, if you want to describe it in sort of that way. And you just go in there and you lock yourself in and you just gradually build your tolerance up for the heat. So you start off with 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Then after 30 minutes, maybe you can get up to an hour. This is like the case of like, you do it from about six weeks out from the event. Um, and then I think the longest I've got it up to was like 90 minutes sitting in a, in a sauna without getting out. It's like you take everything in with you. So you just take in a bucket load of water. Uh, you take food in with you. So you try to get used to eating in the heat. Uh, you do like light exercise. So you get your heart rate going. And you know what? It's worked for me every time I've been out there. So I can't really knock it. Um, when it comes to the hills, though, it's a lot of hill repeats uh, going up, you know, back in Penavan or Snowdon or anywhere, those sort of things where you get a decent elevation. Um, and then the mileage uh, per week, I'm averaging anything from 80 to 100 miles of well, running. But, uh, I'd seen something that you talked about the sauna there in one of our local gyms. Um, some uh, There was a man there training for something similar, I think, but he was going like in and out of the sauna. So he was on the treadmill, uh, but but he was getting off and going in and then coming back out. I, I was sort of wondering what he was doing, but then when I spoke to him after... Um, it was something similar to what you did, but uh, was it funny eating in the sauna? Uh, yeah, so I haven't had the sauna at home for uh, all the time, so actually I used to go to like the Hilton or like another gym and pop in the sauna, and you'd always get some dodgy looks from people like, what, can't you go a whole sauna session without having lunch? Why are you, why are you whacking out like a Tesco meal deal <laughs> in the middle of a sauna? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does it does work. You make the you just get comfortable being uncomfortable, and you just try to make it as normal as possible. And you just focus on the things you will have to do in the heat over there. And you know what? It's helped me. It really does. And imagine that chap that you're on about. He was going off the idea of raising your heart rate and then getting into the sauna. And if anyone is doing heat training, that's a fantastic idea. If you can get your heart rate elevated yeah. and then jump into a sauna, it's a lot more difficult in there. It's a lot more testing. And it's something yeah. which I do for every session. You literally go for a run, come back, jump in the sauna and get on with it. Awesome. Um, that's a good tip as well if anyone is uh, doing something similar. Um, the next question, Reese, like, how did you, you said about passing out and things, how did you judge each day? Was it a certain distance you had to cover each day? Or? No, it's, it's, it's non-stop. Oh, right. No, right. You, you, start, you start and then the clock stops whenever you get to the finish line. Um, so you just, uh, in my head, I break it down into manageable chunks, so five miles at a time. Over there, though, in that heat, you can't really go longer than a mile without seeing your crew because they have to top up your water or they have to throw water over you. It's really that intense. Yeah. It is. It's one, no, Death Valley is boiling hot, but it's also beautiful, mate. It's genuine. Like, the mountains just rip out of the ground over there. It's just, uh, it's like being on another planet. And if you ever get the chance to go or visit, just get over there because it is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, what what's the um like you said it, it's lovely there and um 
it's a place you want to be. But there's one rumour I've heard from Death Valley. I don't know if it's a rumour that's true or false, but the trainer situation, that your trainers actually burn out. That's... Um, there's a couple of ways you can look at this. So I've never had my trainers burn out whilst being on there. The, the tarmac does get really hot. It's like the, the temperature of an oven. You can fry an egg on the road surface. Like, I, I know because I've done it. Uh, we cracked an egg and you can watch it. It doesn't sizzle, but it does turn white and you can actually eat it if you wanted to have a load of grit in your, in your, in your eggs. Um, but imagine if you put your foot in an oven, what would happen? Your skin would start to swell up. So that's what happens. Your feet start swelling up straight away because they're so close to the road surface. Yeah. And imagine if you run 135 miles in a pair of trainers. They're going to burn out naturally anyway, just from the impact of going along on the floor. So in a way, it, it's, uh, I've never, I don't, the heat may have an impact on it. But if you take into account that you're running 135 miles, your trainers are already going to get beaten up a little bit, you know? Yeah. No, I, just so I wouldn't buy. I wouldn't buy in too much to the the road road service melting trainers. It, it would wear them away, but it wouldn't melt. Yeah, them. no, it's just a rumor I heard before, and I just wanted to find out about it. Um, uh, something something you do. I do wear uh, hokers because yeah. they have a thicker cushioning. Yeah, so they're very thick on Yeah, so your feet are a little bit further away from the road surface. So you do little things like that to avoid it, or you run on the yellow lines and you try to avoid the black tarmac. Cause that's what it is the whole way. Awesome. Um, what did you, you say? We touched upon how you felt, and it was a big milestone for you coming over the finish line, recent that uh, that event. What did you take? What did you take away from that event? Um, so haven't done it four times previously. I'd, I'd, I've obviously reached the finish line, but when I did it officially and got to the finish line, being officially recognised as the first ever Welshman to complete it, it was like a moment in your life where you just felt completeness and you felt like justified in working towards this life goal for the best part of 10 years. I think it's about nine years until I worked towards it. And it's something that which you finish straight away and you're absolutely knackered. But within 12 hours, I was thinking, right, how the heck can I get back in this race again next year? It's like my my running revolves around that race because I just love it. It's something which I want to build a legacy in that race. I want to be, I want to do it at least 10 times in my lifetime. Awesome. We'll go through all the pain, but go through it 10 times. Why not? <laughs> yeah, must be worth it. Um, so moving on to the next question, Enrys. Um, I'm always interested in looking how different people train and refill well because obviously everyone's different. And you just said there that you were training revolves around that race. Uh, what does a training week look like for you? And as well as running, do you include a lot of strength and conditioning? Yeah, so <clears throat> don't get me wrong, it's not like 80 to 90 miles. 100 miles every week throughout the year that you go through peaks and troughs you work through phases in your training plan so it's sort of almost like uh see the picture like uh the topography of like mountain tops and you see it go up and back down up and back down you imagine that's what my training plan looks like and sort of when you're coming into an event you're at your peak fitness or you you sort of you're really ready to go but yeah on average i'd say it's between 80 to 100 miles a week when i'm working towards something like bath water which could be, well, it takes place in July, so I start training for it in February time. So from February onwards, it does ramp up a lot, okay? But right now, after completing the Wales Coastal Path, it's dropped down a lot. It's only like 30 to 35 miles a week because I'm just trying to recover still from it. Um, but when you go through the processes for something like Badwater, yeah, it's 80 to 100 miles a week, roughly. But I always look at it as time on feet. 
So it could be anything from like 10 hours up to 15 hours worth of running a week, depending on what I'm running. So like whether it's hills or flats or <clears throat> just a lot of trails or mountains, you know, it sort of varies between that. Um, but then you incorporate a lot of flexibility. So stretching, uh, yoga is something which I wish I'd started a lot sooner because my body has paid for it massively. Like, I've got really tight hips, hamstrings. Like, it's, it, is a, it is painful, but it's like bearable. But I think yeah. with flexibility and sort of yoga, it's really helped me a lot over the last 12 months in particular. Um, and then it's a lot, what's it, four sessions in the gym a week? And that is year round. That is uh, sort of working on flexibility with, with weights. So like you're using the dumbbells, but also stretching with the dumbbells. It's something which sort of you build a nice solid core. And then I, I, I've always, ever since I've been playing rugby football, I've always worked on my core. It's something which I think if you have, a, if it's really strong middle of you, then the rest of it will obviously be stronger as well for that. So you just have a strong middle and then the rest of it will build off the top of that. Um, and then with the heat in particular, well, it's probably about five sessions a week in the sauna. And that could be anything from half an hour up to 90 minutes. Oh, 90 minutes straight off. Yeah, just oh. yeah, go with this year. My, my missus was uh, to get it a little bit hotter in there, she was actually sellotaping the door shut, so there's no, no way the heat could escape. <laughs> the little changes to make it worse, but brilliant. Well, there's something which, like, my coaches in particular have like drilled into me, like, it's like you get marginal gains from little things, and just doing things like that will pay dividends, especially when you go over to Badwater and Death Valley. Yeah, you you mentioned yoga there, and um, at the start of lockdown, that's something I took up as well. Cause um, when I'm running, I always feel like a a tight arms. I got tight hamstrings. I'm not really good with my flexibility sort of thing. But yeah, I stopped doing it now because I'm back in work and things. But that's something I should uh, really get back into because that helped me loads. Yeah, it's something which I I think it takes a while to see the benefits of it. But when you start getting the benefits, like. I, I, I used to find it painful even sitting down to get into the car. So getting out of the car just from my hips and now like I, I can get into a car and out of it. I know it sounds so like, it's just that's a nonsense. Like just getting in and out of a car, like why is, he, why is he moaning about this? But now I don't have that pain. So I can see that little bit of progress. So then I'll start working even harder with my yoga and my stretching. Yeah. And core as well is another big one for me. I don't do a lot of it. I absolutely hate training core, but um yeah, the benefits you get from that, like um, what I do, the like smaller triathlons at the moment, just the core helps you in all disciplines, the swimming, the cycling and the running. So, yeah, something I should do a little bit more of. But like you said, it can it can help massively. 100%. Um, what, and another thing I like to talk about, something I enjoy doing is uh, eat dinneries. What's your favourite food? <laughs> What's your favourite uh, food to refill well on? This is the thing. So you, you touched upon a really good point when you said nobody's the same. And I, I genuinely believe that. So with training or diet or race plans and stuff like that, I think you have to vary it to fit you. Uh, when it comes to fueling during the races, like you sometimes hear people just say they eat gels and you know sweets and stuff, which is high in sugar. But when you're doing like something which is over 100 hours, you'd, you'd die at the side of the road if you did that. So you, you have to eat like proper food. And I love proper food, so like pizza, pasta, uh, burgers, sandwiches, wraps, uh, fresh fruits, sort of area so you get some nutrients in your body. But when you're battered and you, you've been going for 30 hours and you sort of, you don't really want to stick another gel down your throat, put it that way. You just want to 
something which you comfort comfort food. I think that's the right way of putting it. And like I have amazing crew, like my wife, uh, two friends like Stuart and uh, Lawrence, who are both my coaches as well. They just make it happen because they just know what I'm like. They know me inside out, and they've already prepared for that situation. Um, I think race nutrition is something that I could always improve on because the more tired I get, the less hungry I get. And obviously, if you stop eating, then you're in a world of trouble. And it's almost like I become a child towards the end of events because they are just trying to like get any calories down me at all. And it's just, uh, it's always becomes a battle of well with them, but they always win. They always seem to get the food down me and we always manage to get to the finish line. And what what are you like dieting through uh, training? Is it easy for you, uh, Reese, or is it something you struggle with dieting? Or is it something uh, you don't really do? It's something I don't really do. It's something which I just, because I run a lot, I burn a lot off. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not just scoffing my face with terrible food, but I do like pasta, I do like pizza, and I like this stuff which I can easily burn off if I go for a long run. Yeah. Um, but I do try to eat a lot like vegetables and fresh fruit just to sort of, it helps with recovery. I've just found it helps with my body recovering. And yeah, something I, I, I do lean towards at the moment. I wouldn't call it a diet. It's just something which I enjoy the food as well. So it's not like I'm just putting it down my throat because I, I have to. Yeah, awesome. Um, So now we're going to move on to talk about uh, your recent challenge, a Wales Coastal Path record-breaking run, completing the Welsh Coast uh, Path. In, I hope I get this right now, 20 days and 10 hours, 38 minutes. Oh, two minutes wrong, 36 minutes. Oh, no, <laughs> two minutes out. And averaging <laughs> averaging 40 miles a day. Can, can you talk, uh, like, obviously I've looked into this now and it looked amazing, uh, your pictures and things, it looked just amazing. Can you just, like, uh, explain to our listeners where you started and the, the sort of route and things? Yeah, so um, back in the end of July, I started on the Wales Coastal Path. It was 870 miles, starting from Chester in the north, heading to Chaps- uh, Chapstow in the south, via Anglesey as well. It was, uh, well, I think it was about 42, 43 miles a day for 20 days. Um, the equivalent of going up and down Mount Everest 4.5 times. And it was anything from 10 hours to like 16 hours worth of running a day, uh, round the clock it was just uh, it was like groundhog day for the whole 20 days 10 hours and 36 minutes awesome and i did see that you raised a lot of money for this one do you want to advertise the uh, charity you did it for uh, reese yeah 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 so um i did it for free charities actually mate so um and i raised just short of six thousand pounds so about two grand per charity uh, one of which was the cf warriors that was for my a friend who has CF, he set his own charity for kids with cystic fibrosis, and the idea is to get them into exercise. Um, the other one was for Maggie's Cardiff, which is a cancer charity who um, helped my mum over the last couple of years. And I asked her who did she want me to fundraise for, and she just said 100% Maggie's because sometimes they just get forgotten and they don't get a lot of people fundraising for them. So I was just like, yeah, how are you? Let's do that. And then the other one was for the NSBCC, and that was probably the most special, the most prominent one to me and my wife because my wife joined on this challenge as well and as a child she was abused um a horrible person and we just all every year we try to give back to the nspcc and it's something which we both truly believe in and support so yeah three amazing charities which when it becomes tough and it becomes like you know quite intense you have those three great reasons to keep on going 
Awesome, yeah. The 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 charities just keep you going, and then when you have a little thought about them in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, what like you said, your wife was included uh, on this trip. What was like the setup for this event, the accommodation, and the team you had around you? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to be donated a uh, support vehicle by Nathaniel Cars down in Bagent. I don't know if you know them. Oh, brilliant. But, um, I literally uh, spoke to Nathan for about five minutes and he was like, yeah, we can sort you out. I was just like, wow, that's incredible. So he lent that to us for about six weeks. And the idea was we'd live in this camper van for um, the whole duration, in and out every night. You know, it's, it's a moving checkpoint because Karis was there. Karis is my wife. The whole time she could drive it and just meet me every 7.5 miles uh, where she'd fill up my water or give me some food and we just carried it, carry on that process to the end of the day. Um, but what we did find was <laughs> we had this camper van. It was an amazing checkpoint. It was fantastic. But the generosity of strangers and friends and family who were like, well, let me just get you a hotel for the night. Is there a hotel in the evening? Yeah. And they, they would literally just like book us a hotel or they'd ring them up and explain what we're doing. And they give us the room for free. It was just like we never asked for this, but people were doing it for us. It was incredible. And like we, I think we slept in the van like five or six times over the twenty days. And the other nights were taken care of by just people either sorting us out with a hotel room for free or putting us up in the house. It was just one of those things. You're just like, wow, it's uh, the kindness of strangers really showed itself on that trip. That's awesome. So we had a few comfy nights in uh, a hotel room, Emmett, instead of the van. <laughs> well, you know what? I think on this was it on the last night before the end. Um, the crew and my coaches and stuff would not let me sleep in a friend's house because they did not want me to get too comfy. So they made me sleep in the back of the van. Like it was just like it was, they didn't even put the bed up. It was just like literally you have to sleep there. You can have four hours sleep, and then we're going to get going again. Like I finished running that day at twelve o'clock in the night. I was up at four a.m. the next day and running by five. It was just one of those things where they. It was necessary. It was a necessary evil because if I got comfortable, I may have had a couple more hours sleep, and those couple of more hours would have meant the difference of having the record and not having the record. You know, so it paid off massively. Yeah, that moves us on to our next question as well. Was the was the sort of pressure on this time, Reese? Was it was it the record you was always going for? Um, no, it wasn't. So I was obviously I was going for the record, so I can't say it wasn't, but. In, in my head, it was a case of, well, I get the record, amazing. I don't get the record, I still get to run around Wales, amazing. Like, not a lot of people can say that they've done that. Um, don't get me wrong, it was a motivator, but if you gave me the option of having a record or raising an extra thousand pounds for charity, I'd be going down the charity all day long. The reason I was doing yeah. it for was obviously an adventure, but also the charity, the record was, yes, it was lovely to go for it. And you know what? I think having the record and telling people about it as we were going through the challenge gave the the adventure, the challenge, a bit more, you know, a bit more coverage. Therefore, we raised some more money for the charity. So it was, it was a net. It wasn't evil, but it was a bit of a pressure. Yes, trying to go for this record. Um, there were times where you know you just felt like, oh my god, I'm never going to get there, or you'd have a bit of a short day, or what other days you'd be on fire and you'd be flying through the miles. It was just like a roller coaster of emotions, and that was because of yes, you're doing it for the charity. Yes, you're doing it to run the Wales Coast Path, and yes, you're doing you are after a record, and you sort of you want to prove to people that you're actually yeah, maybe you can get there. Awesome, like you said, it what you were going for the record, but the charities meant a lot um, for you as well. A lot more. Yeah, a yeah. lot more, and that that sort of spurs you on, like you said. Um, did, 
Or was there like how the legs the first few days into the challenge? Was it like weather that was sort of making you miserable? Was it tough and nice days? You've been speaking to my wife, haven't you? Saying no, I haven't been, been speaking now. <laughs> I'm only joking, mate. Uh, <laughs> no, it's um, it was uh, it's one of those things. So the first day, I wanted to, I purposely ran by myself. I wanted to be alone. I wanted to just get into the zone. I wanted to get into our rhythm, meeting Keris, of like having the checkpoint, getting in and out of the checkpoint with no distractions. Um, that worked fine. So it was always about getting the first day out of the way. Because then when you go into the second day and you start hurting, you actually have a reason to be moaning because you've put down 45 miles the previous day. On the first day, you have no reason to moan because you, you should be fresh, you should be fit. Um, but after the first day, it was just, um, yeah, it, you, you hurt, you do hurt, but you just try and block it out because you know you've still got another like 19, you know, potentially 20 days to go with this. You just can't let it sort of get creep into your mind. You know, it's like you said, your legs were, your legs took. Uh, a while to get used to it and things or if they ever did get used to it and it was a few days where you were hurt then yeah 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 it was um, a mixture of uh, all mental physical and then also the weather came into play as well uh, it's typical Welsh weather <laughs> uh, the last the couple, well, first day was alright and then as I got to Bangor and Anglesey it just sort of kicked in and you could see the, the storm coming in across the sea it was a uh, Quite intimidating, but there you go. Just had to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and I bet the nice days were, like you said earlier, with um, the locals getting new hotels, and I bet that's just the generosity. You just put a smile back on your face, then. Oh, it does, mate. You know, it's a it's a good little kick up the arse. You know, it gives you that little bit more of encouragement. Yeah. Um. Did Did you know on the day or the day before you was going to break the record, or or was it like just down to the final few miles? Uh, it was down to the final three miles, so because um, I, I didn't want to take anything for granted. I, I knew my capabilities and stuff. I knew if I pushed it hard enough, I could get there. But I think up until about three miles away, I still wasn't sure. Um, and when we got three miles away, we realised I still had two hours left until the record time went by. And I just like, well, even if I break my ankle now, I can crawl three miles, you know, in two hours. So <laughs> it was one of those things where you just like, yeah, my friend Steve West sort of sat me down and he's like, you do know you got this record now. And I think that's when it really did hit home. Yeah. yeah. Only three miles. It took, what, 867 miles for it to, uh, before it became a reality. What was it like a Welshman breaking, you know, the record in Wales? It, how did that make you feel? Your, your face says a massive story when uh, obviously on your Instagram coming over the finish line. <laughs> How did it make you feel? Is, is that like one of your most proudest moments or? Uh, it's the proudest moment ever, apart from obviously marrying my wife. Um, no, yeah, you had to get that, that in, line. I had to get that one in. <laughs> <laughs> Brownie points for the next challenge. Um, just kidding. Um, crossing that line, it was um, it was just raw emotion, mate. And that image and what, I can't believe somebody caught it, to be honest. It was just one of those moments where my emotions just took over me. And it was like 10... Nine, eight, seven, six, five. I didn't even realize like, when I hit that line. I knew I wanted to hug Keris, and but I didn't know what else I was going to do. And it just like I hit that line, and just like the only thing I could do was just jump into the air, and, like swing my fist, and like with a flag in my hand. It just, yeah, it just took over me, and it was just that moment in your life where you just like, yeah, I, I've gone out, I've done what I said I was going to do, and you, people just say they sort of when I land back on the floor. You just see that everything just drops out of me. Like my shoulders just drop straight to the floor. 
And yeah, just, there was no more energy I could have given that. I gave all, I left all out there. Awesome, yeah, that picture is, is just awesome. And someone's caught that and you've got that forever now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool, yeah, it's awesome. Um, something else that I like to include in a podcast as well, Reese, is um, I'd like to get a message out there for people who may be thinking about starting running. Uh, running helps me uh, men- mentally, uh, and in a lot of ways, obviously, I do uh, try and get as much running in as I can for my triathlon training. Um, how does running help you? Yeah, I, I think it helps me both mentally and physically. Um, if I was sort of saying to people who are looking to get into running, I, I would advise just like not comparing yourself to other people. Um, everybody is different. Everybody will take different things from running and you will find your own path when it comes to it. I think there's like a, a saying where it's like forge your own trail. And I think that's, it's truthful when it comes to running because you learn a lot from actually doing the activity and you'll realize what makes you buzz, what tick you off, what, um, you will actually take from running as a as a discipline and a sport and a challenge. You can turn it into an adventure. You know, it's it's something which is quite accessible for most people. You got a pair of trainers, you slip them on, you just walk out the front door. Um, it's just yeah, it's something which I truly, I yeah, it's a passion that I have in life now. And yes, it is via running, but it's also just getting out there and seeing the world and sort of pushing the perceived limits and sort of understanding my body better, my mind, right. When we ran across America ten, 10 years ago, I'm a completely different person to when I ran across there. Like now, I'm just like, yeah, it's it's changed me as an individual. And it, yeah, like I said, different people will take different things from running. Yeah, I picked up on what you said there about a lot of people being scared by any things, and I see that through Strava. You know, people yeah. people will look at Strava and they'd look at miles, uh, minute per mile or whatever. And they just say, oh, well, I can't do that, so I'm not going to start running. No, it's, um, I'm not the fastest runner. Um, literally, I, I just have a knack of being able to keep on going. Um, when, obviously, most other people may pack it in. But it's something which you cannot compare yourself to other people because you'll find yourself going down a lot of rapid rabbit holes and becoming quite demoralised from it. You just yeah. need to literally get out there and find out for yourself. Yeah, I found myself like just beating myself up sometimes. But you know, I realise now that everyone's different, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm not built to you know be the fastest runner. But um, yeah, you just got to be yourself, and you know, go out there and enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. And uh, now the legs are back. Well, I hope they're back alive and kicking, Reese. <laughs> uh, what's next for you? What have we got anything else planned? Um, so I'm taking the rest of the year just to sort of still fully recover and get my body back to like a fighting strength, I guess you call it. Um, like it has recovered, but I want to sort of build back up now in terms of like I want to work on my pace. I want to put down a sub four hour 30 miler um, before Christmas. So I just have those little targets in my head, which will get me ticking over till the new year. And then the new year, we're just sort of trying to finalize the challenge for next year, which again will be in the UK. But I also have uh, bad water again. So COVID depending, obviously, if we come through the other side of what's going on at the moment in this pandemic, um, due to be running bad water 135 in 2021, uh, which, again, is what my journey will revolve around. I'll have the other challenge as well. So those two things will be, uh, yeah, they'll be what I'm doing in 2021. Awesome. Always good to have a plan. And like you're going back to bad water again. So you're not, uh, you want to do it again. 
<laughs> what will that be then? Your sixth time or? That'll be my sixth time and then maybe another four times and then when we get to ten we'll reassess it and maybe go a little bit further. <laughs> Not call it a day, don't put that finish line there yet. Um, I'd just like to say a big thank you, uh, Reese, for coming on today and um, taking time out of your day. It's really appreciated. Um, you've said some awesome stories and shared a lot of things that I think will help a lot of people. Uh, hopefully the running as well, a lot more people will start. And I wish you the absolute best in the future with um, your challenges. I'm going to keep track of you on Instagram and um, hopefully when this lockdown is over, me and my friend Blaine can come and join you for a little bit of a run. Do you know what? I'd welcome that, mate, definitely. Yeah. yeah run some trails and stuff like that. Take Thank us you on. for having me on the show. I need, uh, yeah, I need to get a pair of trail shoes, I think, because um, it just looks awesome. But um, before we finish, this burger boy, Blaine put a comment <laughs> and... Uh, one of the pictures that I posted and he said it's something you've got to ask about so let's find out about what all this is about oh damn you blame blame I thought I got away with it then uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah growing up I actually uh, I went on a football tour with my brother uh, he's about eight years older than me so I think I was about seven or eight at the time and we went to Holland and it was a long weekend okay so it wasn't just a weekend there were three days there um, but I had this, uh, I, was, I was quite a chubby child and I had an appetite, shall we say. And, uh, you get me a burger. And literally, you got the best part of 20 teenagers. Like, and they would all buy me a burger. It was just incredible. And I think over the case of like, well, three days, it wasn't two days, it was a long weekend. I ate the best part of like 30 burgers. It was just... Um, <laughs> I, I was eating them and I was enjoying them and I wasn't having to pay for them because I was obviously still very young and they would buy them, I'd eat them and um, I became the team mascot called Burger Boy. So what they'd do before they, it was a football tour and they were over there for a football tournament, they'd be rubbing my, my stomach and they passing me over the top of the bus. I was like crowd surfing and stuff. Um, not a lot of people know that a little bit actually. And the Burger Boy is just something which has stuck with me uh, my whole life. It's something which, you know what, I'm not ashamed of it, I'm quite proud of it because... It's something which I still love burgers. You said yourself you love burgers. Oh, yeah. Have you tried Grazing Shed? Yes, Grazing oh. Shed, Honest Burger. Uh, you name it, I've had it, mate. Uh, if I could get a sponsorship from McDonald's, there you go. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> what about Hills and Brecon? <laughs> oh, I haven't been there yet. Oh, you good things so. there. You've got to go here, Reese. Brilliant. There you go, mate. Blaine got the story out of me. <laughs> yeah, there we are. But don't feel too embarrassed because... Um, I, I, I don't mind a drink on a weekend and uh, I think it was two years back now I've got the record in Subway I think I'm only I'm only five foot five <laughs> but uh, it was a drunken night out and I managed to eat somehow I don't know whether I ate good all that week and I thought I deserved it but I done about um, I think it's four foot the Subway I did <laughs> blinking heck mate wow <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I well, did I, but that was, when I um, one well, of the years when I went over when I went over to Death Valley because uh, Death Valley's in the middle of nowhere and you sometimes get your food before you go in there. I went into McDonald's and I was, um, I was like, can I have 16 cheeseburgers? And she was like, the, the woman was like, pardon? I was like, 16 cheeseburgers. She was, and then she went, 16 cheeseburgers. And then the person behind her went, 16 cheeseburgers. And then the person behind her went, 16 cheeseburgers. Like, they were all questioning in it. And I was just standing there absolutely pissing myself, laughing. Because I was just like, oh my God, this sounds like horrendous. And she was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then she went, oh, would you like some fries with those? 
I was just like, I've got 16 cheeseburgers. I don't need them, like anything else to eat. Um, I've got the video of that. You can check out my Instagram. I have a little look at it. It's quite funny. Yeah. Like you said, with the Burger Boy story, if it's bought through, Reese, you've got to eat there. Well, there you go, mate. Exactly. Make the most of the opportunity. Yeah, and um, no, thank you for coming on, Reese. It's been um, a brilliant podcast and great to speak to you. And like I said, I wish you all the very best in the future. And hopefully we can catch up after lockdown. So for our listeners, you've been listening to BH Podcast, all things running with Reese, our very own ultra marathon runner. I hope you've enjoyed.